John. 14. Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 197 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week, I learned you need four things to be a successful space pirate. You need an eye patch. You need a scar. You need a badass laser rapier. And finally, most important, you need a gang of obese midgets to crew your ship. The hardest thing you're finding, having to find, is the uh, laser rapier. Yeah, no kidding. I've got two of the five. There were only four. Well, he was. He's <laughs> actually got two obese midgets, so oh, he's counting them twice. Exactly. Okay. Well, there you go. The hell of a drug. Now, if that doesn't explain it to you, we are talking about Captain Harlock, uh, the space pirate. Uh, is an anime from back in 1978, and was also a movie currently on Netflix. 2016. Thirteen. 13, 2013, yep. currently on Netflix. Uh, that's the two that we decided to compare because Captain Harlock's been around for a while. You jump in for a bunch of different, uh, like, made-for-TV movies and other movies and a uh, couple seasons and come, leaving and coming back again. But, uh, yeah. That's the manga. Yes, and, yeah, it started out as a manga. So, there you go. Yeah, this one was exciting for me because usually when we do anime shows, uh, whatever we've chosen is something that I'm already really familiar with. But this is a classic anime that I had no idea. Like, I'd heard of it, but I had not seen it. I'd never read anything about it. I'd maybe seen a picture of the title character. But beyond that, I was completely ignorant of what it was about Mm -hmm. until like two days ago. And I am in the same boat because I know I'm the one who suggested this. But I've never seen this before. Huh. I'd heard I, of the character, but I'd never seen it either. I thought I had been. I remember a show which uh, I watched back when I was a kid where there was almost there was like this giant space like uh, battleship pirate ship type of thing. And I watched the first couple episodes of this and could not figure out what the hell was going on. And then I realized what I was actually thinking of was uh, Star Blazers which is another one where they had like a big battleship in space type of thing. Um, and everyone should know for me, by the way, that um, I am a huge fanboy of this. I've seen every episode, um, posters, everything all over the wall. Yes. Well, if you like other things that Pat's lying about being familiar with, <laughs> um, you would love, love the other shows on the Podcast Collective, including No Hope for Humanity, Dating Baggage, Tales from the Hard Side, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Yes. Have you listened to that yet? No. No. And I have not listened to the internet with Scott the Pool Boy either, so we should see how long we should keep this up. Oh, no. Dude, you really should be listening to the internet. I was actually listening to Coffin Joe cast earlier today. Oh, I got to get on that. I I only stopped because Verizon told me I was at 90% of the data with three days to go. I was like, well, Joel, killa, you're going to have to wait three days. (laughs) Oh, Wah, wah. Aw, poor Verizon. I mean, not poor what? Verizon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I poured myself quite the drink. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. Captain Harrock, Captain Harrock. Yes, so if you're looking for our older stuff, uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse.fm, NoonFM.com, and don't forget to go to Podchaser. Yes, no. it is not Podcatcher. We, we not. are now with 100% more correct name, Podchaser. Yes. <laughs> Podchaser. Go in there. It's in beta right now. 
and enter 40 go 14 to get into the beta and then you can get in there and uh rate us give us a rating give us a rating yeah there. i mean uh we were asking way at the beginning of the show to go into itunes and like rate and review the show uh, that was semi-important, but there's so many podcasts already on iTunes that it's very hard to have an impact in helping other people discover our show. It's Podchaser, the top-rated podcast ever on Podchaser, has 28 ratings. And I know by looking at our analytics that there are more than 28 of you. So you guys have already, those of you who have signed up and reviewed us, have uh, made us more popular on Podchaser than... Uh, WTF with Mark Maron and hello from the Magic Tavern. Yes. Uh, we are not more popular than those guys. <laughs> so uh, you can have a very distinct impact on where we show up in the rankings and help other people who might love nostalgia listen to us. Yeah. Go in there. And you can also rate like what your favorite show is also. So if you really like Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Pan. Yes. If you really like Peter Pan and you want to do that, um, you know, you can go in there and rate rate that. Uh, I wonder how many people we've talked into going back and downloading the Peter Pan episode just because we keep talking about how bad it was. I hope. I, well, we're getting a five star rating. We have six ratings right now. Nice. Actually, I want none of them go back and listen to the Peter Pan show. We're not just blowing shit up your asses. It's really not good. <laughs> we're not. We're not being like like coy about this either. Like, oh, it's terrible. You're not gonna no. like. like we're like, I mean, it took me a good two days to edit that because I kept listening and going, this is shit. <laughs> what we were doing is managing expectations. If you yeah. go back and listen, you're like, yeah, it's not that shit. Now, I want to give a call out to H Manny 32 who said that they love it and look, look forward to every new episode for us. So thank you very much for that. Give us a five star rating and Jalbrek 2000. That's a familiar name. Yes, he says, these dudes never fail to make me laugh. After listening for as long as I have, I feel like I've known them all my life. Give them a listen. You won't regret it. Aw. Tonight there's going to be a jailbreak. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That, enough. That, holy cow. Enough with the plugs. I'm sorry. One more, one more plug, because the Coffin Jokeass is currently the number oh. one trending comedy podcast. Nice. <laughs> that's because I put a review on there. <laughs> uh, oh, we're not milking the system at all. So anyway, if you'd like Jesus to call Christ, us. Joel, I had to mute myself. I was laughing so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight is going to be a joke. <laughs> oh, it's the little things in life. God, um, that's, so, that's so stupid. It's brilliant. <laughs> mm. I don't know what I made. Uh, you were giving them the voicemail number. I was. I was drinking my drink. It's blue and has a piece of watermelon in it. That is not how you call the show, Mike. <laughs> 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Call us. Let us know things. Give Someone did that. Yes, we have one <laughs> right here. Yes, have some. Hey, guys. Listener again. Um Moving on to the next episode, which is, fuck, I can't remember, um, the one after the uh, Wayne's World one. Um, you guys glance over fucking the year fucking Chico and the Man got canceled, yet you don't fucking say anything about fucking Grandpa Joe or fucking Freddie Prince. Not to mention his failed tagline of, looking good! You know, that's fucking kind of funny bullshit, but regardless... I'm going to go fucking work out now. 
get swole like Billy Joel, and uh, I'll probably keep calling you guys if I keep listening. Just remember, bust to the front, always. The only thing swole about Billy Joel is his liver. I know. I'm like, that's yeah. not exactly a good way to go work out. If unless he means Freddie Prinz is where he draws his line in the sand. That, that's yeah. why I love Men in Laws. <laughs> yeah, like even Freddie Prinz himself is like, yeah, man, that's too far. <laughs> it's like nobody remembers me. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty sad. He's looking dead. <laughs> 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 now that's funny that's hilarious all right so now what is it about that time it is about that time let's do that this week in music movies and tv and sports I'm glad you liked it. All right. So this weekend, March 14th, 1978, is the release of the first episode of Captain Harlock. All right. All all right. So music, Joel. Music, everybody dance. Love is Thicker Than Water by Andy Gibb is the number one song. Why does Andy Gibb keep? Oh, because it's the 70s. Right. That was it Andy or Barry who had the four from then the trivia for last week. I think that was Andy again. Really? Good on Andy. Good for him. Uh, Benjamin Jackson Burnley the fourth was born March tenth. He's a musician and founder and frontman of the band Breaking Benjamin. Of the group, Burnley has served as its principal songwriter, lead vocalist, and guitarist since its inception in nineteen ninety two. Since 2002, Breaking Benjamin has had two platinum albums and one gold in the United States. I am a big fan of Breaking Benjamin. I'm not really familiar with them too much. I mean, they're kind of like dark alt-rock. If you like Papa Roach, but wish they're a little bit more serious. Hmm. What if you don't like Papa Roach, but wish they were more serious? You might like them anyway. (laughs) Just Never mind. That was just a dumb joke. Anyway, uh, California, <laughs> wait, whoa, wait, we have yeah. a 40 wait. going on 14 first. <laughs> wait. <laughs> you can't you can't just drop that you're you there was a dumb joke you weren't going to tell when you just made well, Joel's just, joke police show up for <laughs> they report for duty and they're like, pow, not today. <laughs> Here we are, 38 years late. Oh, <laughs> uh, what happened for the first four years? <laughs> You didn't Man. talk. <laughs> I was going to say the first four years were a constant stone snagglepuss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was just going to say, Pat, if, if just imagine if the lead singer is Brian Cranston and you'll be fine. Huh. See? That was stupid. Yeah, exactly. you gone with your Why first did you tell instinct? that joke, Joel? <laughs> damn it. I tried. You guys. <laughs> oh, God. Brought it back around. All right. California Jam 2 was a music festival held at the Ontario Motor Speedway on October. March 18th. (laughs) How the hell did I get to October? There's Uh, an O in the word on? I don't know. (laughs) More than 350,000 people attended. Acts included Aerosmith, Foreigner, Hart, Mahogany Rush, Dave Mason, Rubicon, Santana, and Ted Nugent. The Nuge. (laughs) Any way to make a party more exciting is invite Ted Nugent. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're going to up the racism and the excitement. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I cannot comment on what Mike just said without breaking some of my longstanding rules. <laughs> I'm just saying he's batshit crazy. He's really. Oh, 100%. I mean, the man rides a bison on the stage. Come on. Yeah. I saw I saw one video of a concert where he climbed the the Marshall stack on one side and started shooting arrows into the other side of the speakers on the other side of the of the stage. Yeah, that sounds exactly like Nugent. That's yeah. not dangerous. Yeah, there was the old uh, urban legend about uh, at a big metal concert. Uh, Ted Nugent and Ozzy were on the stage and they were trying to outgross out each other in front of the audience. So Ted Nugent dropped his pants and took a shit on the stage. So Ozzy picked it up and ate it. <laughs> I don't well, think a, that's true, but I'd heard the story. It's a game where nobody wins. Yeah. Sharon! Well, the turd did, but... All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land is Return from Witch Mountain, which we talked about. We, we did? Yes. Well, we talked about the first Witch Mountain and talked about Return in Passing. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. We talked about, but not covered. Right, right, right. We didn't do a whole show on it, but we had our Witch Mountains show. Yeah, have they made another Witch Mountain now? Yes, we did a show on it. No, no, no. No, I mean, have they made a sequel to the new one? Oh, no, no, no. no. Okay. No, The Rock is going on and somehow careening blithely through more terrible movies, completely unscathed. He just came through Baywatch. Everyone still loves him. He's currently it, shooting the Rampage movie based on the video game. He's going to be running for president eventually. I'm just calling it right now. Okay. I'm just putting it out there. It's going to okay. happen. Trust me. He's already starting to talk like a politician. Huh. All right. John Holland Cazale was an American actor who is the answer to a great trivia question. He appeared in five films over a period of six years, all of which were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. The Godfather. The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Deer Hunter. He appeared in archival footage in The Godfather Part Three, also nominated for Best Picture, making him the only actor to have his multi-film distinction, this multi-film distinction. From his start as a theater actor, he became one of Hollywood's premier character actors, starting with his role as the doomed, weak-minded Fredo Corleone in Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather Trilogy. Kazali chose to continue acting despite being diagnosed with lung cancer, and he died in New York City on March 13th, shortly after completing his role in The Deer Hunter. Absorbed. (laughs) (laughs) If you looked him up, I see you were looking him up, Mike. Yeah. One of those faces where you're like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, He he, uh, appeared in six movies only, all six nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, Crazy. Is so good. Very cool. <laughs> You're my brother, Fredo, and I love you. If you ever take sides against the family again. Don't, don't, don't ever take sides against the family again. That's what it is. Uh, such a good movie. One of these days I'm going to have to watch it. Godfather. Leave the cannoli. Take the gun. <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather is, is what, what I consider to be the number one movie of all time. Oof. Wow. Old statement, yeah. sir. Yeah. But some people agree with you, so. All right. So, TV. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the top shows in the land are Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, and Happy Days. Incidentally, all of these are shown back to back on ABC. Come on, knock on the door. Come on, knock on the door. John Ritter, I, I can watch Three's Company all day. 
just John, I can I can basically say I can watch John Ritter all day. I've never really appreciated it, and I've kind of started watching it again a, a little bit here and there. Like, and I'm starting to like it, but I didn't like it for a lot of years. Yeah, he's. I mean, one of the things that he's really good at physical comedy. So was he was was ah rest in peace. He's been absorbed. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it. No, <laughs> it wasn't the right time. After two made-for-TV movies, I'm worried that the time is going to pop up. Right? That's what I was thinking. I knew where you were. <laughs> uh, in 1977, on March 10th, The Incredible Hulk premieres as a TV show starring Bill Bixby as David Banner. Absorbed! <laughs> gotcha there. Uh, Brooke Elizabeth Burns was born oh. March 16th. She is an American fashion model, actress, and television personality. In 1998, she joined the catch of catch cast of Baywatch and Baywatch Hawaii. She hosted the game shows The Chase and the acronym of the week, which is DED. Of course, that is Dicks Enter Douglas. <laughs> Again, was that was that like the adult version of that Nickelodeon show, Dougie? So here's my question: Is the Douglas is it a different Douglas every week? Oh no, of course. But nobody that, tells Douglas. That would be <laughs> doggy Doug. It's, yes. Excuse me, is your name Douglas? Why, yes, it is. Get him, boys. <laughs> <laughs> is your name Douglas? No. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Dougie Jones. All right. I know you guys won't get that, but someone will. There you go. Everybody drink. That's Josh's obscure joke of the week. <laughs> what is DED, Pat? Doggy Doug. Yep. Oh. Uh, she also co-hosts the game show Hole in the Wall, which... No, is... no, no. What? I'm just thinking it's ridiculous. I... Oh, okay. I thought you were going to follow up to Doug's <laughs> Dixie intro Douglas. <laughs> Despite the chase being nominated for two daytime Emmy Awards, the show did not achieve success. Interesting fact... Though her ex-husband, through, oh, through her ex-husband Julian McMahon, she is formerly related to the twentieth Prime Minister of Australia, Sir William McMahon. Brooke Burns revs my engine. Yes, she's a gorgeous woman, and she's funny. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She seems pretty cool, at least. I would have her babies for dinner. What? Hey, sports absorbed. <laughs> there was no death. If he's eating the babies for dinner. No, you eat babies live. What are you? <laughs> Some kind of monster? <laughs> oh, God. Sports. Oh, sports. That's me. Albert Luque Martos is a Spanish retired footballer who played as a left winger or striker in his 14-year professional career and was mainly associated with Mallorca and Deportivo. <laughs> He also had brief spells in England with Newcastle United and the Netherlands with Ajax. A Spanish international in the first half of the 2000s, Luque represented the nation in one World Cup and one European Championship. And he was born on March 16th, I think it was. forgot to write that in there. That's why he was included. Oh. Yeah. Oh, boy. This is a fun one. Oh, my God. You wrote it? <laughs> I know. I don't know why I do this to myself. Let's go. Gulam Mustafa Gard was an Indian cricketer described as a tall, high-shouldered man who shuffled up to the wicket in 12 steps and ran the ball away from the right-handed batsman at distinctly above medium pace, especially when fresh. 
I have so many questions about that statement. <laughs> Is there a shampoo bottle involved? Maybe he's wearing pauldrons. Why are his shoulders so high? I don't get it. <laughs> he was the first left-hander to open the bowling for India. At 6'3", he was the tallest cricketer to play for India between Lata Ramji in the 1930s and Abhi Kuruvilla in the 90s. Guard bowled successfully in Indian domestic cricket for Bombay and Gujarat for more than 15 years from 1946 to 19- that's not 15 years. That's, not yeah, 15 that's what I'm years. saying. Okay, whatever. We'll ignore the dates. He was <laughs> almost 33 before he was picked for his first test appearance, the first match against West Indies at Bombay in Mumbai in 1958-59. He took three good wickets, John Holt Jr., Conrad Hunta, and Gary Sobers, but was dropped for the rest of the series and did not tour England in 1959. Guard reappeared in the third test against Australia in 1959, also at Bombay, Mumbai, but failed to take a single wicket and was again dropped. That season, his wickets, allied to a strong batting lineup, were instrumental in Bombay's winning of the Ranji Trophy, and he took nine wickets for 135 runs against Mysore in the trophy finale. He took 31 wickets in the season at an average of 15, and he then went on to become the superintendent of police in Gujarat. That was a twist at the end. I was expecting him to be dead. There's a lot of clicks and whistles. <laughs> oh, my head hurts after that. He died this week. No, he didn't. I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember why. I, He's still on the police force in Gujarat. You can tell who he is. He's the guy with the cricket bat. He's right. And the pauldrons. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's six foot three, shuffling around in the wicket. A lot of crime around that wicket. <laughs> Sticky. It's a sticky wicket, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joel closes out. Not, 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 not. All right. Main show. So, uh, like I said before, I thought I had seen this. And I remember seeing the uh, the new anime showing up on Netflix and was like, hey, it's that show that I used to watch with the big ship. It's Captain Harlock. We got to watch this and started watching it. The uh, starting from episode one back in 1978 and halfway through the episode one, I was like, I've never seen this before in my life. <laughs> You're like, this is not at all what I remember. This is nothing that I remember happening before. I know there was a giant ship and that was about it. So like, what is it show you confused it with? Star, a star blazers. Is that the one with the little aliens calling them all hummings? Were they like space Texas Rangers? No, they were, the ship was... No. <laughs> no, no. What the fuck did I watch? No, st- uh, they, it looked like a, it, the, their ship. I looked it up. It looked like a uh, submarine. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. See, I see this one. Yeah. What the fuck am I thinking of? I don't know. With the little aliens and their... Okay, so, well, we're just going to go anyway, out on one there. Anime, anime's weird. <laughs> Anyway, before we get too far in, into the intro of this show, I should let all the listeners know that, um, unfortunately, um, I was way, way too busy this week, and I did not get to see any of the shows, so I'm going to have very little to say as far as the actual content. So, sorry. Shame him. Yeah, I think. Shame. 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 Sorry. I wish I had a bell. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> <laughs> he does! <laughs> Same you, Pat, for working and making money. Right. Yeah. So I think I think you will chime in when you hear us start talking about this, because I think at one point or another, you'll be like, wait a second. 
Okay, so this came out. I'm sure I'm not going to believe you on some of it because it's anime. Right, right. So March 14th, 1978, this was out, uh, released then, went until February 13th, 1979. Uh, Two seasons. Uh, This was directed by Rintaro. Uh, Apparently, he is the anime genius that is known by only one name, Uh, who's also responsible for Astro Boy. He was involved in that. And this was done by Studio Toy Animation, which uh, did a little movie called Godzilla. Uh, they pay, yeah, they pay, we kill covers it also. So in 2977, 2977, mankind has space colonies. Machines do all the work and everyone just wants to have fun. When deadly plant-based aliens that look like women, there's a fetish for you right there, attack the Earth in order to colonize it. There's another fetish right there. Only one rogue captain can stop them. That's Captain Harlock, but the aliens are called the Mazan, not Mazola. That's an oil. Which is plant-based. Adventures yeah. of the Galaxy Rangers. That was not even an anime. That was just like a cartoon. That's the one I was trying to think of, though. With the talk, oh, no, talking <laughs> horse? Josh chimes in. Starts. <laughs> Sorry, I've been trying to think of that for like the last 10 minutes. No wonder Josh has been so quiet. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck was that show? That's okay. I've been trying to break my mind on the uh, the anime, or not anime, the live action show that I used to watch that had three robots that lived in a volcano, and there was a little boy that was friends with the one, and they would turn into rocket ships. Hmm. So if you know what the hell that is, let me know. So, anyway. Uh, Captain Harlock. Characters... That sounds like an acid trip, is what that sounds like. <laughs> so Captain Harlock is an archetypal romantic hero, a space pirate with an individualist philosophy of life. He's noble as the Aztec turn, rebellious and stoically fighting against totalitarian regimes, whether it be earthborn or alien. In his own word, he fights for no one's sake, only for something deep in his heart. And lots of... Down clothes. in his heart. Where? <laughs> <laughs> what is that laugh, Pat? It's like he's trying to start his engine. <laughs> Turn it over, Pat. Turn it over. <laughs> that's the one when you get me when I have no breath. Like, oh, that's when you. Those are God. That's twice this episode. You. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. So, yeah, Captain Harlock, along with uh, long drawn out close-ups on his eye. Well, yeah, he inspired the design for a whole bunch of other anime characters, like a, a tuxedo mask in. Uh, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Yeah. Yeah. And like visually, he's a very impressive character. As I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, he's got the eye patch. He's got the scar that uh, I love his main weapon, that rapier that is also a laser cannon. Oh, yeah. He's got a skull on his chest. and Oh, yeah. Visually, I mean, the whole thing is very cool. Now, We'll get to the animation in a little bit. Let's yeah, we will get to the animation. <laughs> Kaiyuki is a young woman with blonde hair who has been part of Harlock's crew since the time Tadashi came aboard. Uh, she first met Harlock when she he raided a ship that was transporting her back to Earth as a prisoner. She had assaulted a military officer who had belittled her father's death. There's a slight in, intimation that she harbors a crush on Harlock and initially seems romantically uh, romantic towards Tadasha Dayaba. Even though the two eventually settle into a platonic friendship, she is Arcadia's chief navigator and science officer and the second youngest crew member after Tadashi. She also occasionally looks like someone hit her upside the head with a frying pan. Yes. <clears throat> a, lot of these, a lot of these characters every now and then look like um, 
like someone pressed the comics on silly putty right they're like they they took the one guy who could draw and made him draw harlock and they're just like okay who's in the office (laughs) get jimmy he's not doing anything (laughs) jimmy's got parkinson's have the interns fill everything else in yeah basically yeah and there's that one guy who can only draw one eye at a time well that's why harlock has an eye patch well, partially, and this this happens a lot in the in the show, is that there will be a lot a bunch of scenes. Whoever's drawing these scenes will have everyone's hair covers one half of their face, so he doesn't have to draw the other half of their face. So, it's and then emo. mime, meme. I I'd say meme, meme. Uh, a mysterious brooding female alien with blue skin and body length blue hair. Like all her race, meme has no mouth or no other facial features outside of almond shaped yellow eyes. Like others of her race, she uses alcohol as a non-intoxicating foodstuff and uses her psychic and psionic powers as a means of reducing pain of injuries. Originally from the planet Jura, she became the last of her species after being saved by Harlock and crew. In gratitude, my meme became part of the crew of the Arcadia and pledged her life to Harlock's support and safety, becoming the pirate's nearest companion. Having no mouth, she can still speak and absorb liquids through the general mouth area, which is a <laughs> weird statement. Is she is she this tall green figure with the long hair sitting next to him on the throne? Yeah. yeah has she got yeah, like these almost snake eyes? I uh, like, can't really see her eyes, but she's got elf ears. Yes. Yeah, that's her. Uh, she is visually another one of the really interesting characters. <laughs> Frequently seen playing a harp. Mm-hmm. Well, he plays a flute that he made. Ocarina. Yeah. Is it made uh, out of skin? No, nope, it, it is definitely an Ocarina. I only know that because of Zelda. Zelda teaches us many things. Uh, now, y- y- Yatron, Harlock's first mate on the Arcadia. He's usually portrayed as comic relief in the series, but when a battle against the alien threats becomes, becomes imminent, he will be at the captain's side. He's also a brilliant mathematician and has major interest in building plastic model kits. Uh, Yatron is based on a manga artist, Karu Shintani, Shintani uh, mm-hmm. best known for the Area 88 uh, series, who in his early career worked for Masumoto, building models for reference. Yeah, Yatron would be the first of the obese midgets that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Goofy, goofy-ass character. Yeah, yes. big, big lips, no eyes to speak of, and looks like he got stung by a bee and he's allergic. That boy needs an epi. <laughs> he needs an EpiPen. Uh, the doing, they're traveling the galaxies looking for EpiPens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch of characters that look sort of like him. Now, Mostly coming up Dr. Zero. Yeah. Doctors, well, first of all, Yatron, I wasn't sure if Yatron was a kid because he was. I saw him playing with the models, but then at another side, he's drinking cognac. Yeah, I, I think he was sort of like their answer to Smee from Peter Pan. Yes. Okay. I could see That's that. A good comparison. Uh, a lot of drinking and smoking in this show, too. That's another thing I noticed. Uh, Dr. Zero, chief medical officer, like Yatron, he serves as comic relief when he argues with the ship, ship's cook, Miss Masu, over raids of Masu's kitchen to get his beverage of choice, Saki. He has a pet cat called Mukin which he adopted and after the kitten's mother was injured and apparently dying. Don't care about that. The cat shows up once in a while and steals Saki from the kitchen. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, text here about a character whose most notable scene for me was trying to save a chicken's life before <laughs> they ate it for dinner. 
<laughs> yeah, in the middle in the middle of a full on battle. Right. Yeah. Uh, Miss Masu, Chief Steward. She's a cantankerous spinster who's intolerant of her kitchen being raided by Dr. Zero or his cat. She's a comic relief character in the series, though her backstory had intended her to marry her fiancé and a bunch of other stuff that we don't care about because she's only there for a couple minutes. And her eyes start mere centimeters from the top of her forehead. Yeah. I, Miss Masu, Dr. Zero, and Yadaran are all the, the Shin-chans of the ship. <clears throat> and then there's Toshiro Oyama. Harlock's old friend and chief builder of the Arcadia. He died of illness prior to the events of the series, but his consciousness survives within the ship's computer. That's not weird. And he also gave birth to the most annoying little girl in all of space and time. Oh my God. And she's like a bobblehead. (laughs) She, her head is huge. And apparently whenever she wants Harlock to show up, all she has to do is have something happen and poof, he's there. Right. And And she's like, don't make me call him here because it's dangerous for him. Oh, no, Harlock. And then he shows up and nothing's dangerous for him because all the bad guys forget he owns a pirate ship. And that's the thing. It's like he's not supposed to. Oh, we're not supposed to go to Earth because he's wanted and will be shot. Uh, He's condemned to death. But he he like comes and goes as he pleases. Nobody. Yeah. yeah, It's like, hey, uh, don't go to Earth. You're going to get captured. All right, cool. And next thing you know, he's stabbing a wolf in the neck. Well, there are no consequences for Captain Harlock's actions. When I saw that they take their first prize and he says, take the food and jettison the booze and the gems. I was like, holy shit. Do you want a space mutiny? Because that's how you get a space mutiny. <laughs> Especially with with the, uh, your sidekick, the, the girl, uh, Mime or Mime, Mimi, whatever, who <clears throat> feeds on alcohol. Yes. And it's, it's just a dick move, too. It's like, okay, well, we're going to take the food, and we're not going to keep the money in booze. We're just going to shoot it into fucking space. And what about the first time he gets captured in episode one, and he's in the middle of a giant arena with numbers on it, like a giant dartboard? Yes. Yeah, they 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 capture him because he comes to visit this little girl with the giant eyes. And... He, they put him on a giant dartboard, about to kill him, and then nobody on the planet notices this gigantic battleship sneaking up on the on the <laughs> on this because everyone is so surprised that suddenly, I mean, the tanks are turning around and running away because this thing nobody ever looked right. Maybe right. All of a sudden, it's pew pew pew. Oh crap! Run! Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're about to kill you! Oh god, a ship! Run, run! And then they lower a ladder and let him just ride away, which he seems to. Was that Joe? Is that it's set up very much to be a almost like a kids show, not necessarily aimed at kids, but that kids could watch on a Saturday morning. Even though maybe I don't know if they have Saturday morning cartoons at that time in Japan, but but then there's this really like violent acts that happen in it and some adult themes, and I'm like, I'm confused. The violence was unusually explicit with people like you see fire consuming them and their skeletons like disappearing in the flames. I was like, holy shit. Right. It, it was an odd kind of point counterpoint that was going on. And when he comes down to visit her for the first time in the first episode, did he not notice the giant tanks in the tree line? Cause she tells him that it's a setup and he just spends a whole day with her anyway. I think he probably knew he's like, these idiots forget I have a pirate ship <laughs> and it's right over there. They never look right. So if you put it on the right side, you know, <laughs> That's the side that the animator didn't want to draw their eyes on, so we're yeah. cool. 
as long as they don't get a haircut, we're fine. Yeah, but that that was part of the things. Like what what you're talking about the deaths, like when the uh, the what's his the guy's dad's name, Doctor What's His Face got shot. Yeah, very explicit death. Yeah, like like he's burning up. He gets shot through the chest with this flame gun, and it first off it takes like four minutes for him to die, and then it's him burning up, drooling all over himself. I mean, it, at least that's what I got. The animation wasn't totally awesome, but uh, like I said, it's it, for this type of thing. It is. I can't see this being a kid show, especially back in seventy eight. That was a. But yet, it felt very much like it was oriented towards kids with the very simple, in twenty four minutes or however long the runtime was, everything was resolved, no matter how complex it was. But yet, to be continued because there's some bigger overlying yeah. arc that's happening. Yeah, they kept uh, dropping hints about the whole Mazone plot. And I, I started to see hints of what we'd see in Robotech with the Zentradi. Mm. I was like, I can almost see, okay, we're going to have this alien race that's infiltrated. You're going to have a war between the humans and the aliens. But it's weird because you've got like this two or three minutes per episode of intensely interesting stuff just surrounded by Stuff that's kind of boring or badly animated or jokes that don't land. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like, you know, like with your description of the comic relief characters and everything and their scenes, like these guys just don't know how to write comedy. Yeah, it seems like they don't know what sort of show they're trying to make. Yeah. It's alternately graphically violent, a childishly cartoonish, uh, trying to do a little soap opera e with some of the relationships of the characters. And it's just, it's all over the place. Well, and then I thought it was interesting because on, I look, I watched it on Crunchyroll, which by the way, Crunchyroll, get a handle on your commercials. <laughs> oh my God. I don't need to see, I I think it was five or, I forget what I said, five or six times where I saw the same frigging commercial about uh, Crohn's disease. So, and it didn't work because I don't know what the hell drug you were trying to sell. All I know is that Crohn's disease, really that woman probably deserves it. Oh Jesus! So, um, but yeah, it's listed as drama on Crunchyroll. Well, and what's interesting is, is I was redoing a little reading before watching the the movie originally, and a lot of the back and forth about you know this versus that, and everybody seems to be focused on the the character of Harlock and his motivations and the essence of him being what carries the series through you know the past forty years. And I can see that in this because so much around it is throwaway that, I mean, if you're not focused on his character and his motivations, it kind of, it kind of would suck a bit. And I think if I had watched this when I was very young, maybe not original run, but maybe uh, five or six years later, I would probably have had pleasant memories of it. And I can appreciate that from a distance. It's like, I don't much care for this, but if it had been a part of my childhood, I'm sure I would have. Mm-hmm. He's on fire. Right. No, <laughs> it, it's a little worse than original Voltron. Yes. Go back and listen to that show. But it's also before original Voltron. This is one of the, along with Astro Boy, one of the grand godfathers of anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Harlock was one of the first characters put on anime uh, ceremonial stamps. Uh, he is just like one of the first. 
Yeah, is a, I mean, concept-wise, this is the one of the first ones that came out, and I, I guess that's why I thought I had, I mean, that's why I thought I had seen it before, because it was so similar. It was so, you know, it's so, I don't say redone, but it started the idea of the space pirate type thing in anime, and just seems familiar. Yeah, it's just kind of rough when your attention is drifting and the show is subtitled. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and you'll find yourself looking at your phone and you've missed the next four minutes. And then the next 10 minutes are jockey and Crohn's disease commercials. Yeah. Or is this not something you can put on and listen to while you're cooking at all? No, no. not unless you understand Japanese. Right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Arcada. Oh, the Arcadia is Arcadia, an sorry. awesome, awesome ship. Now it goes through a lot of different, um, versions over the years i mean yes. there, there is one where it's got the giant skull the one that we saw it's sleek blue spaceship with turrets on the top kind of like you know that battleship where there's a radar tower and then at the very back is like the end of an old school galleon like a spanish yeah. galleon yeah and it's so it sounds so cheesy but it is so cool i would have fallen completely in love with this when i was a kid Oh, yeah. Had they had a toy of the Arcadia, I would have wanted it more than anything. Well, that's just it. When we get to the the now, we'll talk about that more. But the sh- between the ship and all that it has to offer, that because it, it's not just a battleship, as we find out as we get into this more, but you attach that character to it, doesn't matter what else is going on around it. Those two are iconic enough that it carries everything into other adaptations. Mm-hmm. I agree. You definitely have some very iconic imagery here. And at the beginning, it's just kind of like, I, I wish these cool looking characters were doing something more interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they seem again with the almost that, that 70s, um, the 70s pacing that we talk about where it's like they had so many long drawn out uh, pictures of him looking out the window while drinking a glass of wine, you know, so many long drawn out moments of the sun, him and his silhouette in the sunset, you know, them learning how to do dramatic moments was, I, I'm sure the more you watch this show, it's going to get better, but you know, the, the pensive stare, you know, became a thing. They were getting their feet wet. basically. Yeah. 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 I mean, they were, getting a feel for because i mean anime's been around a long time but uh, the short form anime like this is is tricky because most of the anime i always think of as having these it's always one storyline that's throughout the whole thing and there's maybe little side stories but there's always an over overwhelming theme throughout and this kind of is trying to encapsulate too too much into like a, a sitcom format where the like you said the the bigger storyline is so minimal that it, it just kind of gets lost. Well, yeah, and I mean this did follow the pattern that ha- worked from then all the way till now, where you've got a built-in audience from a popular manga, and it's like let's chop this up and make episodes out of it. So mm-hmm. it did already have a comic book following. Yeah. So yeah. I'm amazed at how popular this seems to be, according to you guys, because I've never heard of it before. Well, I, it, oh, sorry. It, I'll say it, it's huge. There, there were a lot of uh, e- e- extras, extra cartoons that were made past this, including there was a full-length movie that was based off of like a two-part 
series, two part uh, episodes. I wonder how many like series. cosplayers at Gen Con were dressed up like this, and were, were ones that were just like, uh, "Must be anime." I don't know. <laughs> well, what's interesting is I, I was looking online because I, well, I was looking at what was available for this show because I always like to kind of see what merchandise is out there. And I, I know Mike just posted the one of the ships that they have available or had available to purchase, but there's not a lot out there that is in the States anyway, that's easily accessible for a decent price. It's kind of, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but I mean, if he's been around as long as he has, he must be doing something right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it was bad. I mean, it's, I think it was just, there were different ideals for making the show back then. And I'm really confused about his bird. (laughs) <laughs> the giant like crane pelican thing a crane crane pelican buzzard thing with a real thin neck and why did they have its beak tied shut i don't know it looked cool though right and it, it was even kind of cooler well we'll get to that but yeah it was like they told the animators he's got a bird and they didn't tell him which bird so he <laughs> googled birds at sea even though google wasn't a thing yet and like, oh, shit there's like five of them Fuck it. Let's just mash them up. That's about probably about it. Yeah, it's not any one particular bird that I can make out. It's Yeah, it seems like a weird mishmash hybrid kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit of vulture, a little bit of pelican. A little bit of bandage. A little bit country. A little bit rock and roll. Stop taking my jokes. <laughs> well, stop meeting yourself. Yeah, he he said that like 10 minutes ago. He didn't know why we weren't laughing. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> oh, he knew. Oh, oh, that's sad. But the, what are you? Are you going, guys? Going to go back and watch this more to find no. out what's going on? No, yeah, never. I, I, I don't think I will. I'm kind of curious about um, the Arcadia of my youth series, and um, there's also SSX. Yeah, there was well, there was the one too that Josh I think was trying to originally. Oh, there was the one on Watch Cartoons Online, which is the like eighty-two movie, which I think sums up some of the middle episodes. I might actually go back and watch that because it's not that the story wasn't interesting to me; it's just that it wasn't happening at a pace where I could pay attention. Hmm. The character's interesting enough that I, I would be interested in checking out some of the other stuff to kind of see where it goes, and I'd like to track down the two thousand ten. Um, CGI movie that they did that tells the story about the the maze plant women. I can't think of what they're called. The maze own. Yeah. Um, but I, it doesn't seem to be readily available anywhere. And I don't know whether it just never happened or what, but it looks very similar to the 2013 one that we watched. At least the poster and stuff. Well, this looks like I'm in paging through some of the cosplay. There's still people cosplaying as these characters and people are dressing up. Apparently there's a very small, but very rabid group of people that really like this. So good on you. <laughs> no. If you like this kind of thing, we'll find this to be the sort of thing that they enjoy. Exactly. I mean, I liked it again, never seen it, but if I was a kid, I was totally been about it because it's that it's, it's the, the template. It's fucking space pirates. What's not to like? Exactly. It's space pirates. He has a laser up here. He's got a freaking ship that has turrets all over it and a ship rear end on it. And they board uh, other ships and have absolutely no concept of how space works because a flag is not going to flap in the wind when you're flying through space. Just tossing that out there. If you fly fast enough. (laughs) No. 
You go try that. Works. Is that how it works? I'm going to let him have that one. Okay. (laughs) You can run with it. Go fast enough. Your flag will flap in space, Pat. He's got the phantom mysterious winds that make Ryu's clothes blow at the end of every uh, round of Street Fighter. (laughs) Right. So we said all we can say about this? I think so. I think so, yeah. Pat, you going to jump on this? You going to get yourself a little Harlock action, maybe? No. No, we know better. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he he doesn't watch the fifth episode of something he liked for the show where he watched the first four later. <laughs> Far too busy. Hey, Pat, you ever go back and watch that show? I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen that. <laughs> I've watched I've watched two more Sherlock's and I've watched um what was the what was the last one we um I've watched more um Go ahead. Think about it. Oh, shit, I had to look at my... I think you went back and watched a bunch of Battlestar Galacticas until you realized, no, I'm just not ever going to like this. Yeah, I watched the entire, like, I watched a season and a half of Battlestar Galactica before I finally just gave up on it. I'm like, I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to like it. Yeah. Um. Oh, Hannibal. I've watched, like, uh, four more episodes of Hannibal. Nice. Oh. We were teasing you about that one, too, so I'm a little surprised. All right, well, let's take a little break, and we will come back and talk about Captain Harlock Space Pirate 2013. Now available on Netflix. Yeah. Netflix. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about the 2013 Captain Harlock Space Pirate. Mankind is dying, and only one man can do anything about it. Space Captain Harlock. But the Gaia Coalition will stop it. Nothing to end him. That's a true story. It is. Mm -hmm. Literally. Uh, We'll stop at almost nothing. Yeah. Uh, So this is directed by Shinji Aramaki. Aramaki, yeah. The uh, genius behind Appleseed. uh, Did a lot of work on Full Metal Alchemist. Halo Uh, Legends. Yeah. he's And he's, yeah, Appleseed Alpha, Robotech Love Live Alive. Wow, he's got a lot of good stuff. A lot of Robotech. Yeah, not just stuff in Japan. In addition to the Halo stuff, he also uh, did a Starship Troopers feature. Nice. Uh, also, this is written by... The manga was written by Leji Masumoto, which is going back way back then. And then the two screenplay writers are known for a bunch of Japanese stuff. <laughs> um, what? Yeah, believe it or not, nothing unless you know Lorelei, the Witch of the Pacific Ocean... No, exactly. Well, actually, Mike, I'm familiar with it. I haven't seen it. Pat owns all of it. Of course, I he got does. The posters and everything. Yeah, because <laughs> he loves anime. Like I love the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his pillow too. Um, so, trivia. yeah, I'm looking at the writing stuff, and I expected to be familiar with more of it, but no, not so much. Yeah, that's a deep rabbit hole to go down. So, Mike was right. About what? When you said it was a whole bunch of Japanese stuff that you did. Oh, Kyoto oh. Takeuchi, the second guy. He he ha- didn't have as long a career, but all four of his were things you might know because they're uh, Japanese projects from like the last 10, 15 years. Oh. Yeah, he's another a- a- Appleseed guy. Oh. oh. I've always wanted to watch Appleseed or read it. Seems like something I'd like. You right. would. The, I don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> About a girl and her giant robot. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yep. He also uh, wrote Samurai Angel Wars. I don't know what that is, but I want to see it. I think (laughs) you do. All I know is Japanese schoolgirl with a katana and... Yeah, its tags on IMDb for plot keywords are time travel, Japanese schoolgirl, backwards time travel, back in time, high schoolgirl, 16th century. You had me a Japanese schoolgirl. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so some trivia. Esmeralda, Maya, Dabaya, and Dr. Zero are neither seen nor mentioned in this film. Nor missed. Yeah, including awesome. in, including Sir not appearing in this film. Yeah, Esmeraldus is the only one of those four characters that was like, okay, this was an iconic character, but she sort of needed her own arc because she was like the female space pirate love interest chick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film has Toy Animation's highest production budget to date at over thirty million U.S. dollars. Who boy, and could you see it? Yeah. yeah. It's a heck of a budget and worth every goddamn penny. Yeah, this this looked like the best cutscenes in Final Fantasy fifteen. Mm-hmm. That actually we were watching it uh last night and Suzanne mentioned it like the cut it it's a cutscene that really good cutscenes. But a whole freaking movie. Uh this is the only story in the Legiverse where all the enemy forces were other humans, unlike the other other Legiverse stories. Uh there's notable absence of other intelligent life, friendly or hostile in the known universe, with the exception of Min- Mime. Uh, Legiverse is based uh, off everything created by Leji Masumoto, which is the gentleman who created the manga series on this. I thought that was interesting because looking back on the original series, um, even in the first, like, sec- the second or third episode, there were flying saucer aliens. And- yeah. There was, yeah, there was a lot of more alien life forms involved. And in here we had the cute little ones that spun around when they're on the planet, pick, dropping the. Yeah, those like little leaf horse things. Yeah. Yeah. Those things were awesome. Leaf horse things. Yeah. So uh, here's a reason why uh, this looked familiar to us because Space Battleship Yamoto was also done by him. Oh, okay. Uh, Starzinger was one of his. Uh, the Harlock Saga Gun Frontier. I don't know if you remember that one. I kind of remember that one. Uh, so he's got a list of like, you know, huge old list of it. So he's kind of like the Walt Disney of manga. And so, but um, yeah, a lot of great stuff that he's done. Yeah. Remember what I said in the first half about all these characters look awesome. I wish they were doing something cool. Apparently, that's what they decided to do with this movie. <laughs> yes. And they upped the awesome and were like, you know what? We're cutting most of the shitty ones, except we're going to keep Yadaran and even make him a badass. That was... Okay, Okay, from the very start, you're, you're on a planet. You don't know what planet you're on. It's kind of got that dusty Western-type world look, future, future retro Western kind of look to it. Well, that, is that that made any sense whatsoever? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Something like cool. Trigun or yeah, 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 a little bit of Firefly. Right, right. So then, uh, as they're they're sitting around the bar, giant black cloud flies in, and it's the Arcadia, and the Arcadia is so cool in this one. Um, giant skull on the front. The whole, the, the whole ship is sleeker. My favorite part of the whole thing was the steampunk 
turrets that went 360 degrees around the entire uh, entire ship. I also love the dark matter belches of black smoke whenever it pretty much does anything. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's so cool! And it comes coming comes out of that black smoke like that. Man. Yeah, and that's and that's the that was the cool thing about this this ship, Pat, is like when it when it comes into battle because it runs on you know dark matter. Like, yeah, unobtainium. Um, <laughs> it runs on the dark matter when it when it shows up in a battle. There's this always this cloud of black smoke floating around it, and first thing that comes out is this gigantic skull head. Yeah, and then you find out later in the movie that it is not just running on the dark matter, but it's sort of like possessed by it. So it is a space pirate ghost ship with a curse. Mm-hmm. How fucking cool is that? Yeah. And I, I looked at the pictures of it. I saw it, and it looks pretty. Pretty badass. Yeah, it's basically alive for the most part. Yeah, and and spoilers, the reason that Captain Harlock is immortal. Yeah. 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 Well they if you watch the first four minutes, like the first they, they talk about the immortal space pirate Captain Harlock. Mm-hmm. And then later on reference how he's been around for at least a hundred years. Yeah. Right. But um so you, your first introduction to Captain Harlock is him standing and observing pensively as they bring on the new recruits from this desert uh, planet and choose them by asking, why do we fly? And if you give the wrong answer, they just throw you off the ship. Yes. Well, they make you walk the space plank, except they just drop the plank out from under you. Yeah. So badass. Unless you're that guy all the way, the second from the right guy who freaks out so much, he just falls off. Right. So... But oh, uh, I also just love when you see the characters. Obviously, Harlock is uh, iconic, but even with them updating the characters or changing slightly the character's role in the story, you could tell immediately which character was the character from the original anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those the, the heavy armament battle suits. Holy hell! It was reminding me of um, what's that game? Bio Bioshock. Bioshock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they look just like the big daddies. Oh God! At first, I was like, at first, I thought they were actual robots, and then when they take off the helmets and their people inside, I was just like, man, just... they've even got cool names. They were the hard suit armor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. first time you see them go into battle against the the stormtroopers, yeah. they look like it's just like it's it's not even a contest, man. Yeah. No. The the I think they actually had people in this movie that were their entire job was just to do technology was just to come up with cool stuff for them to wear and cool stuff for them to fly around in. Yeah. They had to have at least three of those guys on the space wheelchair for Logan's brother. Ezra. (laughs) Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually kind of neat too. I mean, it was, it was that when it, it would lift, would it grab onto his hips and lift him up so he can stand up. That was pretty neat. Uh, so the way this one goes, it's more than just the world is, you know, why is the Gaia coalition trying to stop him? So here's the situation. The Earth has been abandoned uh, and <clears throat> everybody left because it couldn't support life anymore until one point where everyone decided that they needed to come back to Earth, which invoked the Returners War. 
Oh, what uh, the homecoming war. The homecoming war. war. Yeah. Yeah. Was, because they swelled to a population of like 500 billion or something ridiculous when they were on all of these planets and ships that could barely support life. And they're like, holy shit, there's nothing out there. There's nowhere we can live. And they all tried to go home at once and realized uh, there's not enough planet for all of us. Let's just shoot everybody else. <laughs> yeah. They get into a big war. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so there's this huge war and out of this comes the Gaia coalition who then decides that since if you can't have it then nobody can have it and they they make um the earth a preserve of sorts and nobody can enter earth's atmosphere so nobody is allowed on earth yeah and the gaia coalition is almost structured like a church where the earth is a holy object and it's like we are in the twilight of our years humanity will go extinct but we will hold up earth as this sacred place that no one can enter as like this feature of worship and we'll live out the last of our years in dignity you know what it kind of reminded me of was uh warhammer 40k yeah, I could see that with kind of a god emperor as the uh, like all father. I forget what his name exactly was. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But like, yeah, there was the all father who watched over his his cardinals, you know, and that sort of thing. But um, you know, and then the the planet that he's living on looks like a giant cathedral. Yeah, definitely a much more intimidating group of bureaucrats than the dude constantly hitting golf balls into a coffee cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I appreciated the design on that a lot more. But I know you touched on the animation, but I just, before we get too far into the story, I just have to, as soon as the first like 15 minutes happened and the Arcadia showed up, I was like, holy crap, this is one of the most beautiful looking animated films I've seen in a long time. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's one step away from being like a live action with a little bit of CGI thrown in. Oh, absolutely. And seeing how the Arcadia moved, I was looking forward because I was like, they're going to at some point have to show Captain Harlock in combat. And it's just going to be so fucking cool. Yeah. And it was. And it was. <laughs> he's he's kind of like a pirate Jedi. Yeah. Space pirate Jedi is a good way to describe him. Um, if the lightsaber could shoot smaller lightsabers, if he wants to kill someone across the room. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the things that was, that was so kind of cool about it was that it was this mesh of like old school tech with new tech and, and it, steampunk is, was kind of a, a reference point, but like when he hands over the, the pistol back to, Oh, what's his name? The main character, Logan, Logan, when he yep, hands yep. a gun back to him after he tries to assassinate him and there's all this like leather gloves and, whatever and the gun's got like this wooden pistol grip on it but it's clearly a laser pistol and not a bullet firing gun mm-hmm. and it's just kind of this really cool like combination yeah and very early on you get a better sense of what a badass harlock is like you know that logan's a double agent you've seen that he's gotten himself on the ship and he's going to betray them. And then several scenes after you see uh, harlock talking to Mime and he knew the whole time mm-hmm. he, he knew this guy was a double agent. He brought him onto the ship on purpose and he doesn't care. Nope. And now that he- I'm sorry, that goes back to the episode four, four or five from the original, which I, when you, when you said he doesn't care because the episode where, um, uh, Kayuki, no, not Kayuki. Um, God, what's his name? <clears throat> the kid. Yadaron? Yadaron, not Yadaron. The kid comes onto the ship and like there's 
there's pirates like sitting in the middle of the hallway playing go. And then one guy's chasing another guy down the hallway. Cause he stole the other guy's pants. I don't uh, do you this watched further. No, you watched further than I did. I, I gave up before we got there. Okay. I got through all five and then, and it, then you see a little bit more about the cook and the doctor and all that. And you know, but it's it's complete chaos where he just doesn't care. In the first one, it's like he doesn't care uh, that he's on the ship because it's more to the comedic value. Where on this one, he doesn't care because he's on the ship because he's got it under control. Yeah, when he when he goes down to save him on the planet, when that scene I was talking about where he hands his gun back to him and they have the conversation about, you know, if you're going to kill me, go ahead and do it. And basically just says, I know what you're doing, but I know you're going to basically I know you're going to do the right thing. He doesn't really say that, but that's kind of what's implied. Yeah, and he doesn't even talk to anybody. After the scene where you've got Logan finally reveals his true colors and uh, tries to fucking murder uh, Kay, like straight up kicks her in the chest and tries to knock her off. Uh, oh, yeah. What the hell was up with that? That was his moment. He's just like, I'm going to stop this detonator. Uh, she's going to die. I'm going to get away. But uh yeah, Yadaron was there for the clutch save. Yeah, see, I thought he did it on purpose to build a level of trust by kicking her off. Oh no, I I, th- I think that was his that was his turncoat moment. He just didn't get away with it, and because the captain was cool with him, everyone else just let it fucking slide. And when the captain goes to rescue him, he doesn't say shit to anybody. He puts a little breather on and just jumps off of a spaceship into a burning crater of lava. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that totally differently. Yeah, because right before he kicked her, when they were both sliding because they realized they'd parked on the giant worm instead of solid ground, he was going for his gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, before he could pull his gun on her... They both start sliding off the edge. By reflex, he grabs her hand because he's not really a bad guy. No. Then he goes, oh, shit, I really have to turn on these people somehow. Now when there's no witnesses, is probably a good time. <laughs> Pat, do you have a question? Nope. Oh, it sounds pretty badass, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I'm, I actually regret that I didn't get to see it. Yeah, you will never see steampunk, it. Steampunk pirates in space. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that's that's just the way to describe it, man. Uh, so then, a little little by little, you find out that okay, something obviously something is not right with the Gaia Coalition. Uh, they're hiding something, and Logan's brother Ezra Ezra is in a wheelchair, and initially you don't know why, but you know Logan had something to do with it. And you discover that later on, they're all botanists, and Logan wanted more potassium for his plants. I'm not sure what that... What thing <laughs> I that think he-, he was turning up a solar generator to try and make it more like the Earth's sun, and his brother warned him. It's okay. already at maximum capacity. He was so obsessed, mom wanted these plants to grow again, that he turned the power up and like blew up the greenhouse. And then kills uh, his wife. Yeah. Kills his brother's wife, which I did not see that part coming. No, I didn't either because uh, she's a hologram for like the first three quarters. Yeah, you she wasn't technically dead. She was comatose in like a chamber and they were projecting a hologram of her before she was in a coma. Yeah, right. 
because she was still conscious enough to send a message to Logan, that big betrayal message. Yeah, that's, that's important she, later. Yeah, that she loves him and not her husband. Well, she also was the one who tipped off, hey, he's going to use a super weapon on you. You guys need a second hologram. Right. Uh, and then the hologram war kicks in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's not forget about uh, uh, Captain Harlock's plan. He's planting 100 nuclear devices at places called the Nexus of Time or whatever. Yeah. Because he ne- says that nexus. when I bought something like that. All yeah. these things that when they blow at once, time will reset and everyone will be happy somehow. It honestly kind of smells of bullshit when it's explained the first time. Mm-hmm. I don't think he didn't mean a literal reset of like time travel, but just that setting- was the way it was sold by Kay to Logan. It's like, we're going to go back in time to when it was OK for humans to live on Earth. And I'm thinking, how does that work? It seemed to me more that he was saying he was going to reset the the evolutionary clock back to a time when kind of like how life, they that at the end of Fight Club, life didn't exist and everything was going to start over. Basically, kind of. Yeah, but, I think I was. Well, I think it's a hard leading, reboot, but not necessarily a reset. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's in my opinion. I think it was more of a hey, we can't do this. We're just going to destroy everything. But he the the crew read it to believe, or the the other people led it to believe that they were going to go back in time but he and meant they would survive somehow that was right. the key well, what, what would make sense is is like if harlock knows he's going to destroy everything but he knows no one will go along with it so he's lying to them and telling them oh this is going to reset everything where well, he knows it's just going to end everything and that was my read on it because part of the thing is is it's revealed eventually that harlock is immortal and wants to fucking die right so he's just like fuck it i'm gonna end it all and as the cult leader or whatever you want to call it, he, he had, you know, if he tells everybody, Hey, this, this, we're going to just, you know, go back in time and restart. And they're all like, yay. <laughs> That's basically what his crew I mean, is made up. When, when you tell, when, when you tell your followers, you know, Oh, there's a UFO on the other side of this comet. Let's all kill ourselves. You know, everybody put on your white Nikes. Right. <laughs> I mean, all of his crew were people that he'd, you know, rescued along the way either. So they're well, going to believe anything you know. he says. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing is that everybody his his whole crew is people that didn't have they didn't have any other choice boys in space. Yeah, yeah. There was a little bit of like Griffith and the uh, Knights of the Hawk going on there too. Yeah, where he's this cult of personality leader, and everyone is personally loyal to him. For for people that haven't been listening to us for a while, we did uh, Berserk versus. Uh, Attack on, Attack Titan. on Titan. And if you haven't seen those two anime, please do go back, listen to the show. Yeah. That's what reignited my love of anime. Oh, Heck two yeah. great ones to get started back on. But right. yeah, this, this, I think the three of us who saw it are obviously gushing its praises. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, and that's the thing is like after watching the first couple episodes of the original one, it was like, hey, that looks really cool. I really hope it holds up to the way it looks. And it did. Um, one thing I did know is if you want to get the, the, uh, it was dubbed when I watched it. Put it on the Japanese and you won't be so jacked up with the way the lips are moving. That's huh. what I do. Yeah, I, I I didn't even have the option. I just went on Netflix and uh, set the subtitles to English, and it was already in Japanese. Oh, okay. Oh, huh. yeah. yeah. Mine were mine were as in, I was in was totally dubbed. Yeah, mine was dubbed. I had to change the settings <laughs> to watch it in Japanese. 
But um, but yeah, what they did with the characters is, you know, Keiyuki, um in the first one is the one with the silly putty head. In this one, she's just a certified badass. I mean, she has her own set of, of course, she's got her own set of feminine looking armor with the steampunk, kind of like the um, uh, the Rocketeer jetpack on the back. Yeah. And then uh, the I think the biggest changeover had to be with Yatron, which going from a small, portly, uh, like uh, EpiPen-needing kid from the first one turns into this complete badass in the second one with his his armor that literally looks like one of imagine like a diving helmet the old school diving helmets with all the ports on it so you can look look like almost 160 360 degrees around you his armor looks like that with a giant battle axe yeah and he was still shorter still portly still had uh, like the glasses and the bigger eyes so he was very noticeably yadaron but they kind of gave him the uh, treatment in Voltron that they gave to uh, Pidgey. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, Pidgey looked, uh, there was an updated look. It was still noticeably the same character, but much more badass version. Mm-hmm. Well, and he was still a comic relief, but not in such a obvious pratfall, goofy characterization. Yeah. Kind of way. Well, mm-hmm. It was almost like the, there you got this weird refugee from Clutch Cargo who is in a show that he clearly doesn't belong in. Now, what yeah. about the update to Minmay? Even though she was very similar, they gave her a mouth and she was a bit more humanoid. Yeah. And it was weird because she was fully clothed, but still was wearing a thong the whole time. Yeah. Like her, her, her skin covered from her neckline all the way down, but part of her skin was still a thong was interesting. Well, and I didn't quite get the shower scene with, uh, the Oh blonde. yeah. That hey. was kind of out of, yeah, that was a very anime. It's like random sa- shower scene where she does this weird backflip where she protects all of her bits. Yeah. Right. Camera. Very opportune water bits. And she's going to fall and hurt herself. <laughs> what? You don't back in the shower. <laughs> Not lately. Since I well, how do you wash your back? <laughs> I front flip. Oh. <laughs> what other way do you do it? <laughs> I just fill my mouth with water and spit up over my head. And he turns his fun bits towards the camera. <laughs> Always. In, in the camera. One. <laughs> Rule number one of showmanship, baby. Which is why nobody ever lets Patrick hold the camera. <laughs> okay. So something that I mentioned to Pat as a talking point. The uh, the wheelchair anti-gravity battle. Holy crap. What a tense battle between a completely crippled guy and an uh, able-bodied hero. Yeah. Yeah, he was literally paralyzed from, like, mid-waist down and made it a fair fight. Hmm. Yes. And it was actually, it was very clever, too, because he's, he makes it a fair fight because he's like, all right, I have no control over the bot- portion of my, of my body. I'm turning off gravity. Now I'm you in don't a, either. Uh, yeah, I'm in a rocket chair. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this fight of, uh, you know, in, uh, Professor X in his rocket chair versus, a, you know, a dude. But it, <laughs> dude, with, it with a gun. dude with a gun. It was it was a good fight. I mean, it was there was nothing about this movie where I was like they half-assed it. 
Oh, when Kay got into her fight and she's got the double submachine guns. Oh, that was cool. It was so fucking badass. And, you know, for for an animated film, the the scene where uh, his brother's about to kill him, Harlock takes the shot. And then even though, you know, all this stuff has happened, he's tried to kill him. There's this betrayal. There's just all this stuff. There's just that great scene where he's holding him at the end, talking to him as he's slowly going to pass away. And it just, it was very, it was just really well done. I was, I was impressed. Well, and he realized, and Harlock realized that Ezra stayed true the entire time because he protected the earth while trying to destroy the Arcadia with every one of his moves. He didn't betray either of his two goals. Mm -hmm. I, I just was very impressed. Yeah. with that whole, that whole sequence. Which brings us to the final battle. So the Arcadia comes in to land on Earth. I forget, were they, were they just going to land on Earth? Well, they were going to plant the final nuke and blow everything. That's right. They had, yeah, they had to get the 100th nuke in there. So they, they're on their way to Earth to bring up the 100th nuke. And the, the uh, Gaia Coalition sends every ship they have at them. Literally. Yep. And they pull this cool... Uh, they're projecting a hologram. Now, this is—I don't want to ruin it for Pat, but it's so damn cool. I'm, I'm probably not going to watch it. So, okay, they're projecting a hologram of their ship into the middle of all these battleships. So they're covered. They're totally surrounded by these battleships, and they lo- fire at them. Don't hit it, and then they discover later on that the Arcadia is actually encased in like rock, and it's this—they think it's this meteor. That's just sort of floating around there. And not only when they're boxed in, do they not hit the Arcadia because they're shooting through a hologram. They start blowing each other up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this whole crossfire between it and then all hell breaks loose. And then the Arcadia, whenever it it uh, goes, I don't know what they called in here. I'm just going to call it hyperspace. But it it projects this cloud of dark matter ahead of it and then warps between it. So there's these concentric rings as it flies out of there. And we forgot to mention that the Arcadia partially being alive heals itself when it gets damaged. Like it yeah. does self-repair because of the dark matter. That's nice. Yeah. And it's got an autopilot, which is the spirit of Captain Harlock's dead best friend. He's immortal because he was cursed when he was like the last Earth defense commander uh, in the homecoming battle. And he got so pissed off when he risked his life with this awesome alien super ship, which was uh, created basically by the same race that uh, Mime is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the war, they say, fine, some people can live here. And they take all the bureaucrats, all of the wealthy people, all the politicians, and they're the ones that get to stay on Earth. He gets so mad that he's the one that basically destroys the earth. Yeah. He as the, as the, uh, politicians and the famous people or whatever are getting off their planes to go live on earth, which is all flowered and beautiful. He turns the arcade around and blows up their ships as they're disbarking from them. And then scorches the earth accidentally by unleashing the dark matter from his engine, yeah. which basically makes earth this weird, like shadow and fire Balrog planet curses his ship and curses him to immortality all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a hell of a storyline. 
Yeah, but in the meantime, the Arcadia, the Arcadia uh, Gaia Coalition doesn't want people to know that the Earth is in this condition because they want to control people and be like, hey, you may, you, you could come to Earth, you may not, you could, maybe not, you know, that sort of thing to them. Thank so yeah. the entire Earth is covered in a hologram that shows the green growing Earth, but when it falls off, then the Arcadia blows up these satellites that are putting the hologram around it. You see that it's this uh, purple tornadoes coming off the planet and that sort of thing. Uh, and then it's not until uh, Logan goes down to the planet and discovers a flower. And then we have our little Wally moment. Wally. He comes down and he discovers the planet Earth is growing plants. Oh, it's saving itself. So what does he do? He picks it. Well, when they land the Arcadia on there later, they show that there's fields of flowers. But I know, but I was just like, you found a flower. You fall off a cliff, you found a flower. What do you do? Oh, we got to take it back to him. I'm going to pluck the <laughs> one freaking flower I found on the earth. Kill all life. Yay. So now they break down this hologram that's on them and take over the uh, the signal to everybody else in the universe and have show what the earth really looks like. But look, it's still grow- coming back because check it out. We have, we, there's a flower here and he gives this really inspirational speech as all the battle is going on. Yeah. We uh, glossed over like three double crosses in there, which I think is wise. <laughs> yes. Because that was there's even- like three rapid fire double crosses between different like members of the coalition or Logan betrays the ship and then he unbetrays the ship. Mm-hmm. I've betrayed all of you now. Hey, I was just kidding. But are we going to give away the main plot point at the end? Of course we are. It was weird. I mean, it's fine. I didn't have a problem with it. As soon as Logan got the scar on his face, I was like, I see where this is going. I, I don't understand how we're getting there. And when we got there, I didn't quite understand how we got there. Well, because Harlock was clearly still alive. Right? So, but yeah, basically, Logan, it's like Dread Pirate Roberts. Logan gets a scar on his face, and Harlock's like, well, I'm done. Uh, you're the new Harlock, and gives him an eye patch. Apparently, but, he had a spare. I was going to say, he apparently has a pocket full of them waiting for this to happen. No, he took the one off his own head. No, he was still wearing it in the next scene. Oh, yeah, because yeah, his hair covering it. Well, oh, uh, I saw the eye patch. He I had the eye patch, Joel. He had a spare oh. one. Oh I don't God. know why he had a spare one, but it bothered me. Well, what bothered me is because he handed over the eye patch, and he's like, oh, you are you are now Captain Harlock. And I thought it was this cool, like you said, this Dread Pirate Roberts. Oh, you're now Dread Pirate Roberts. And I'm like, oh, and he's going to die because the ship is dying, and he's connected to the ship, this, that, and the other. Cut to the next scene. Nope, he's still sitting in the chair talking. Yeah, he's, he's still back there. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing is, like, I saw... If he had died, it would have made sense because he wanted to die. He was tired of being immortal. Yeah, but in in the same notion, it was like, all right, you're, I was expecting him to like slowly like fade away in a puff of black smoke or something like that. I just that is I, of all the I, I mean, we're granted to the entire thing. You're suspending your disbelief, but that's the one thing where I'm kind of like, why did he give him the eye patches? He just like his. His buddy now is are you you're you're Captain Harlock now and I'm just gonna kind of just wander around just jerk off and do whatever. <laughs> Captain Nolock. I don't know. It it felt like if they would have carried that storyline out where Harlock would have actually died or poofed into a puff of black smoke. A, went off to become a lumberjack. Well, they they he makes a point of saying you know that the legend of Harlock lives on either way, and 
so he was passing the torch so that Harlock, even though he was gone, it, it would he would still be out there and just in a new body. And I was like, okay. And yet he still was there at the end when the ship was back running up at full power and off they went. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that maybe we're meant to assume that eventually he fades away and gets his wish, but they just should have made it a little more explicit. It would have just taken a him crumbling into ash and like thanking everyone. This is what I really want. Yeah. Cause it just but, felt like they were, that's where they were going with it. Yeah. And, it, and the whole time I was expecting him to like sit down in the big, cool skull laden pirate chair and, you know, direct the ship. But he's like, can I sit in the chair? No, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm comfy here. <laughs> I'm not no, dead you're yet. still in training. You're shadowing me for the next yeah. two weeks. <laughs> hey, you're, you're yeoman. But, but I get to keep all the tips. Yeah. <laughs> You lost your you lost your right eye. Here's your eye patch, and welcome to the club, Yeoman Harlock. Get You're ready on probation for, uh, for sixty days. <laughs> your training yeah. session. Welcome but, to Harlock's. Can I get you an appetizer? <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: for all the things that I could have complained about with this movie, for all the potential pitfalls and errors and ridiculousness that could have happened from watching the original and then watching this one, that if that's the only issue I have with it, I'm totally cool with it. Yes, it is a tiny nit to pick uh, and a otherwise spectacular film. Yeah. So yeah. get out there and watch that. Streaming on Netflix and not available to purchase anywhere else. Right. I was looking at the IMDb and seeing this was at like 6.4 stars out of 10. I was like, what are you guys smoking? Granted, I'm grading by the curve because anime movies frequently have some major issues. Mm-hmm. But I thought this was just solid. Rock solid all the way around. Oh, yeah. Completely agree with you. So I'm going from the three of us that watch this one. We've got thumbs up across the across the board on the first one. And then what about the first? What about the original? Uh, the original, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give a thumbs down. I appreciate its place in anime history. But if I can't be bothered to pay attention to the subtitles. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm probably in the same boat. I mean, it, I can't see myself watching any more of it than I did necessarily, but it's, it's it interested me enough with the, the current film to want to maybe check out some of the stuff in between and see what they did with uh, more modern anime and, you know, more modern storytelling techniques. Yeah. I think if I'm going to watch any more, Captain Harlock, it's going to be starting at the 2013 and going backwards until it, until I'm like, okay, that's where it got. That's where they learned how to make stories. I'm going to go back in time till it sucks. Right. So what are we doing next week, guys? I don't know. We are doing summertime. Yes. And the living's easy. We're talking about summer. We're talking about summer break, summer vacation, kind of. We yeah, did a summer I, vacation show, but we're going to talk a little bit just what we did when we were during the summer as kids and now. Yeah, we've already done a season show on winter, so it's the right time of year to knock out the second one of these. Mm-hmm. So sprinklers, ice cream. Running around the front yard in your tidy whities Extra of smell off. on the homeless people. <laughs> a couple of months off school. <laughs> tidy whities Mike, you, you don't still do that, do you, Mike? Yes, he does. They're even tighter now. <laughs> yes, it's because of the same ones. <laughs> They're my underoos. These are my summer, my summer undies. I've had them since I was 10. to his, net, his newsletter. 
So if you'd like to ask us uh, anything about classic anime or give us suggestions for what we're going to talk about next week for the summertime show, you can always give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. If you want to see our old stuff, or I've actually got underoos. Um <laughs> Not if you want to see Mike's underoos. <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and go to... <laughs> I don't want to... Podchaser. Why don't we put it at the bottom, too? Go to Podchaser. Go over there. Give us a rating. Rate your favorite show. Talk about us. Say, hey, I really like this. Put in some information and what you like about us and it'll tell you other cool podcasts that you might like because you like us and we like you but just as friends well not me well that got weird (laughs) yeah we don't like pat as friends yeah i was gonna say i'll hump any of you i don't care we we all are fully aware of that 40 go 14 (laughs) 40 go 14 uh go there and put that in to get into the beta for that so podchaser.com podchaser the imdb of podcasts Yes. They're totally not paying us. Wait a second. We can get paid? Nobody told me this. Can we? No. Maybe. Maybe. Eventually, hopefully. To dream the impossible (laughs) dream. All right. That's all I got. We are for sale. We're we're definitely for sale. Oh, yeah. We're totally for sale. We'll do that. I'm more for lease. Least to own with how many miles? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All right. Ain't Good. the years, honey. It's the mileage. Good night, everybody. What should I expect? I'm like, you should expect me to punch you in the face next time I see you. <laughs> <I should> expect. <laughs>